Om Sam Saraswati Namaha Namaste. Namaste everyone. This evening on page 317 of the Chandi Pot, we're going to discuss the Rig Vedoktham Devi Shuktam. And I just want to remind you that the Chandi Pot is actually a commentary on the Rig Vedoktham Ratri Shukta in the beginning and the Rig Vedoktham Devi Shukta and the end. That's the sandwich. And we're making a Chandi sandwich in the midst. Is how do we make the journey from praising the darkness of duality to becoming one with the goddess of unity? This Chandi document is really something special. I gotta tell you, I spent a, a, probably a, a major portion of my life with her. I, I, I still live with her. And it's really kind of neat. I mean, she's the one who wakes me up in the middle of the night and says, there's nobody doing puja today. <laughs> you can be the pujari. <laughs> uh, it's okay. And then I get to go. So I, 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 I got to do puja today too. Let's start uh, on page 317 with the Vedic praise of the goddess, and that's you. And we use the Upasanghar Mudra to sing this song. It's really an interesting mudra. We also use it for Agni Prajwalita and for the Agni Avahom. Huayami Agni, I'm calling you Agni! Come here, and I'm calling all the gods to assemble here and be one with me and, and recognize that through my energy, through my vibrations, through my capacity, through my nature, divinity is illuminated. When I choose, I give the asuras the energy and they become strong and mighty and proud and with all the other deleterious effects. And when I'm pleased with the sincerity of your devotion, I take the energy away from the forces of individuality and I give it to the gods and they shine. They become illuminated beings. And now, Augusta Muni had a daughter and her name was Ambrini. And Ambrini became Bach. And she became known as Bach Ambrini, the daughter of Agastya Muni and Lopamudra. Uh, she gets some credit too. <laughs> She's the mama. And so Ambrini did all this sadhana and she did all this tapasya and she studied and she did tap and jump and, and she really realized that she was the vibration, the vaka. She was all the vibrations through which divinity is illuminated. And she sang this hymn and it became recorded and immortalized in the Rig Veda. And she said, 
I travel with the relievers of suffering. Those are the 11 Rudras. She, she gave the energy to the 11 Rudras. The Asru Trayate, those who take away the sufferings that dry up the tears. They take away the tears with the finders of the wealth, with the washus. They are the ones who find the true wealth, the true wealth of Lakshmi. And the, the, the fulfillment of their laksha. With the sons of enlightened, the Adityas. Ah, that includes Adityananda. <laughs> ah, he's one of the Adityas. The sons of Aditi. Remember, uh, 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 Kashyap Muni had three wives. Uh, there was Diti, Aditi, and Kodru. Uh, and Diti gave birth to all the Oshuras and the Danavas and the Daityas and all the forces of duality. And all Diti gave forces to gave birth to all the forces of unity. She wanted she was Aditi, she was beyond duality. Diti means two. All Diti means no two. <laughs> or one. And uh, the Advaitas are the, the, the 12 sons, the 12 original sons of Aditi is an Advaitya. And also with the sons of enlightenment and also with all the gods. I hold the law of friendship, Mitra and Buruna, the Lord of Waters, the Lord of Equilibrium, the Lord of Equanimity, the rule of the pure Indra, the ruler of the king of the gods, and the light of meditation, Agni, the light of purity, the purification, remember the sun and the moon and the fire, the three eyes and the face of the goddess, the light of meditation, and the divine urge to union that's the, symbolized by the horse, the, uh, the horses, the Ashwins, who are the physicians of the gods, they are the ones who compel us to seek that unity. I perform the functions of great devotion, Soma, uh, who is the Hindu, he's the moon of devotion, uh, creative intelligence, searchers for truth and the wealth of realization. I give the wealth to the sacrificer who presses out the offering of devotion with attention. Just think how we press out the offering of devotion with attention in the same way they used to grind the somaras with a silunara, two stones, sort of like a, well, a grindstone. What do they call it? Matate. Uh, where you have a grinder and a, and a flat stone, you put whatever you want to grind. Well, we do the same thing with our solar plexus, and we push out the offering of devotion with attention in every mantra. Ring. We clarify the nectar of devotion, the somaras, the, the pure nectar of devotion. 
the offering of devotion with attention like the pressing stones. I am the queen, the united mind of the guardians of the treasure. That's pretty self-explicit outside the, the treasury, outside the gates to the secret of the goddess, stands the guardians, and I am the united mind of the guardians of the treasure, the supreme consciousness, consciousness of those who are offered sacrifice. Well, who are offered sacrifice? The gods and the goddesses. <laughs> And I am the supreme consciousness of all divinity. Thus, the gods have established me in the manifold existence, the all-pervading soul of the abundant being. I am the supreme soul of all that exists in infinity. Through me alone all eat, they all see, all breathe, all hear. They can't do anything without my vibration. No living being can subsist upon this earth if they don't recognize my vibration. It is through me alone they eat, they see, they breathe, they hear, they know me not but yet they dwell beside me. Hear from me the truth of faith as I speak to you. L listen to what it's, it's like to believe that I'm with you all the time. Listen to, to the truth of faith and recognize me beside you in every endeavor and you won't go wrong. Only I, myself, of my own volition, speak this which is loved by gods and men. Of my own volition, I'm going to give to you the knowledge so that you can remember that I'm with you all the time. Of my own volition, you do the bhakti and I give the shakti. Whosoever I love, I give him strength, make him a knower of divinity, a seer, one of loving intellect. Now, who do I love? Well, I love everybody. <laughs> who loves me? That's the catch. Who, whosoever I love, well, I love everybody. There's all my creation. Well, who loves me? Whoever will pay attention to me and make offerings to me and work for me and recognize me sitting beside them, standing with them, walking through life holding their hand, I give them the strength. I give them the loving intellect. I make those individuals rishis, seers. 
of the ultimate truth. I, the preserving energy, bend the bow for the reliever of suffering to slay the enemies of creative consciousness by the arrows of speech. Whoa! I still have some teeth in my mouth. I am the pre protecting energy. I'm preserving energy. I'm Srishti Stiti Loy. I am the circumstance of all beings, the protectress of the universe. And I bow, bend the bow for Rudra. Asru Triate, he's going to take away the sufferings of all creation. So I, I'm going to pull, I give, if I didn't give him the energy, how can he pull the bowstring? I bend the bow. Now, he slays, who's he aiming at? He's aiming at the enemies of creative consciousness. And how's he going to slay them? The enemies of creative consciousness he's going to share a slave through the weapons of the arrows in the bow of speech. <laughs> so every time we take aim at an Asura and we let fly the mantra, <laughs> they are burned to ashes in a moment. She bends the bow and Ruja aims the arrow, and we say the mantra, and the asuras depart. I give the people zealous fervor. Zealous fervor. I make them passionate. I give them, I make them really sincere in their effort. I give them the, the, the enthusiasm, the energy, the shakti by which they're going to really do the sadhana. They'll make the commitment, they'll, 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 they'll perform the austerity and they'll do it with full faith and with love as an, an appreciation. It's a privilege to be able to do. I pervade throughout heaven and earth. Well, I'm everywhere. I give birth to the Supreme Father of this all. Shiva takes birth from me. In fact, I'm Shiva Duti, she who sends Shiva as an ambassador. Uh, so uh, I give birth to the Supreme Father of this all. My creative energy is in the waters of the inner ocean. Look inside, you know, all the waters in the universe are, are filled with the waters of my creative energy. From thence, I extend through all the worlds of the universe and touch the summit of heaven with my greatness. Remember in chapter 2, her feet covered the earth and her top of her crown touched the highest reaches of the atmosphere. She is the goddess of infinite glory. I blow intensely all the beings of the universe like the wind. Beyond the heavens and beyond the earth, to such an extent has my greatness altogether extended. Om. And that was the realization of Ambrini Bach. And it, of course, in Sanskrit, it's so beautiful. But as we 
recite it and feel it and think about its meaning and apply it to our circumstances and make her sit beside us and recognize her greatness and recognize that through her I am doing what I'm doing. She is the craftsperson and I am the tool and she is the, I am the car and she is the driver and she is with me and I recognize her. That through her alone I am performing all that I am performing. Then I see to such a, an extent has her greatness altogether become. Om Sam Saraswati Namaha Namaste. Well, we have a number of questions already, and if anybody has any questions about the Vedotam Devi Shuktam, Veda Ukta, uh, spoken from the Vedas, this, uh, this, the word, the Bach, I'm reading the word, the vibration, spoken from the Vedas, is that I am everywhere. And from the Vedoktam Raktrishuktam, the praise of the goddess of duality, to the praise of the goddess of unity, the 700 verses in between help us make the journey. They are the system by which we put too much and too little into balance and cut down the great ego and self-conceit and self-deprecation and all their armies of limitations. And then we realized, I am one with all the gods. I am one with all the goddesses. I am one with all the vibrations of the universe. This is my privilege. Let's see if there are any questions. We have a question from Vivekananda. Yes, please, Vivek. <clears throat> Namaste. Namaste. If change is the nature of nature, nature, how is truth eternal, unchanging, and non-dual? Uh, truth does not change. So the, we look for the constant in the change. Is there something that doesn't change? Consciousness doesn't change. Energy doesn't change. The form of energy changes. The form of consciousness changes. But consciousness is always one and the same. It doesn't change. And therein lies the unity within the diversity. If Consciousness and energy are always the same, then Purush and Prakriti are always the same, then Shiva and Shakti are always the same, and they are in union in every application. I am perceiving all that is now known as the constant change. But I, who am I? Am I the changer or am I the witness of the changes? And if I identify myself as the witness, then I don't change either. 
Vivek, you were there in your body when you were a little baby. You were there when you were a little boy. You were there when you were a man. You are still there today. Chances are, so long as you're there, you're going to be there. What changed? You didn't change. I, you still say, I am Vivek, or lack thereof. <laughs> but if you are still there and you didn't change, then what changed? You are the constant. You are eternal. You are the eternal manifestation of the soul. The body changed. The thoughts changed. The relationships changed. You changed your socks. But did you change? Aren't you still there? <laughs> so therein lies the reconciliation between the eternal and the transient. If we recognize my eternal self to be Bach, to be Ambrini, to be one with all the gods and all the goddesses, and they know her not, we forget her, but then we wake up and remember her and say, Mom, I'm in trouble again. Just like kids do. And Mom picks up the kid and washes him off and changes their diapers and, and feeds us good food. Yes, please. We have a question from Sadatmananda in Washington. Namaste, Sadatmananda. Namaste. Is the Rigvedoktam Devi Suktam us becoming the goddess after the recitation of the Chandi? <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> no doubt. <laughs> yep, that's just what it's about. <laughs> you just became the goddess. Male or female, you just became the goddess. Yeah, all boys, don't, don't get stuck up in your masculinity. You just became the goddess. It's okay. Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva went to the Monidweep to see the goddess. And they, when they walked in, they became little Kumaris. And then they recognized that boys aren't allowed in the boudoir, in the private apartments of the goddess. So they became these Kumaris, and, and uh, Brahma started uh, combing her hair, and Vishnu was massaging her feet, and Shiva started singing a song. And Shiva finished his song, and her mother said, okay guys, now it's time to go back and become boys again, and create <laughs> another creation. And you create, and you protect, and you transform the new creation. Yeah, why would we do that? We're enjoying this so much. It's so much fun to be a Kumari in the temple of the Divine Mother. Why would I ever want to become a, a, a boy and go out and create a new creation and protect it and fight with Asuras and do all the other nasty things I got to do? And Mother said, oh no, you've been here for uh, how many kalpas and how many yugas? And you've been, it was a nice song, Shiva, but take a hike. <laughs> you guys go out and go, hey, we don't want to go, Mom. No, no, it's not a question of your wanting to go. Nobody gets to stay. Oh, yeah, yes, please, Shiva. I'm, I'm 
really interested in this in this first line. I travel with the relievers of suffering. Yes. Because I've been thinking a lot about how and energy is everything. And then and in um, in your yantra class, you're talking about how the the petals, the top four. Yes. Is um, uh, those are forces of union. Of course, and the bottom is the forces of. Of division. Division, and it's all part of the chandi yantra. Yes, it is. So, so then when we end up with with um, with this, I travel with the relievers of suffering. Yes. Is that is that unity? Is that something about the union of, of shiva and shakti? So that even though there's all this negativity, still that that like our attention is only placed on the un the unity. I have about? a better example for you. In chapter 10 of the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, I am in everything and I am with everyone and I am with all. But when you remember me, remember me as with the best. Remember me in the best forms that you possibly can. So of all the sadhus, I am Rigu, and of all the munis, I am Augustia, and of all the gods, I am the, the ruler of the gods, and of all of the, the, the trinity, I am Boshudev, I am Krishna, I am Vishnu, I am the Lord of gods. And he says, hey, oh, if you want to see, see me in Gandharvas, I am Chitra, Chitrarat, and if Apsaras, I am Urvashi, and I am with the best of all classes of beings if you want to remember me in a special form. Think of the highest and the best. And Mother is saying the same thing here. I am the energy of all in everything eternally, but I realize myself as the force of unity. I realize myself as the energy of goodness. I realize myself, yeah, I see myself in the energy of equilibrium, of equanimity, of, of peace, and all the pure forms. Certainly I'm everywhere, but now I'm in the temple and I'm in meditation. Why do I want to remember myself in the lower forms? I remember myself as the highest and best usage of this tool in the quiver of the arsenal of the Divine Mother. I bend the bow for Rudra. He can't fire an arrow without me. So that's the meaning that she's imparting here. If you want to remember me in specific forms, remember me with the best, with the most divine, with the, all the gods, with all the goddesses, with all the purity, with all the clarity, with all the greatest understanding and light and illumination and wisdom and inspiration. And forget about, oh, I do exist and energize every form of creation from Brahma to a blade of grass, but you don't have to make japa a blade of grass, blade of grass, blade of grass, blade of grass. If you're going to remember me, then remember me as I travel with all the gods and goddesses all throughout the day. Wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, I sit beside the goddess. Ma achenarami achi, babanaki ache amar. The Divine Mother is, and so am I. And what do you think is the intensity of my reality? 
I eat from mother's hands and mother's taken responsibility for my every activity. Now that would be the attitude we will want to inculcate. Not blade of grass, blade of grass, blade of grass. <laughs> That's too insignificant for me to devote my attention in meditation, especially when I have this opportunity. Yes, please. We have another question from Vivekananda. Yes, please, Vivek. There are some of the same verses in Devi Atharvashirsham as in Durga Suktam and Rigvedoktam Devi Suktam. I know these are all Vedic, but what is the more subtle thread that links them together, other than the subject matter? Uh, the Devi Atharvashirsham is also known as Devi Upanishad, and it's a compilation document. It is not an original document, it is comprised of various verses from various traditions. It has verses from the Vedoktam Devi Shuktam and the Tantroktam Devi Shuktam. So the gods say, Namo Devyaki, Maha Devyaki, Shivayaki, Satatam Namaha. It has uh, information about the Kadi Vidya, and it has information about Ring Vija, and it has the Navarna Mantra written in code. The Devi Atharvashirsham is a compilation, it's an anthology of various sources of knowledge pertaining to our worship of the goddess. Just like when you read the other Upanishads, the other Upanishads, Chandogya Upanishad, Mundak Upanishad, all of the Upanishads contain verses from the Vedas and they also contain, they are they are Vedanta, they are later Veda, they are at the end of the Vedas, at the end of the Vedic period, and they are the bridge from the Vedic period into the Puranic period. So that the Sanskrit they use is, uh, is much more modern Sanskrit, and then they put Vedic verses into a context of modern Sanskrit. So the grammar of modern Sanskrit, what we call classical Sanskrit, as contrasted with the grammar of Vedic Sanskrit is different. There are a lot of usages which we, it's sort of like comparing Chaucer to Shakespeare. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's old English, old English. <laughs> And there's a little bit more modern English in Shakespeare. And then when you read Swami Satyananda, you get really hip, cool English. I mean, you get downright Americanese. So it's all English to those who know. But if you read Beowulf, you will read language that doesn't have any any similarity to what the hipsters of America talk about today. Uh, it's a completely different syntax, a completely different language. It's almost as diametrically opposed as Avadi and Hindi, or Hindustani and classical, uh, classical Hindi. Because Hindustani is a mixture uh, and a comp compiled language which mixes Sanskrit, Hindi, Urdu, English, uh, 
Punjabi, all get mixed into this Hindustani, and then they took it to Bombay, and they made it into English, and it, it, it got even more convoluted. So these languages are constantly evolving. Well, the Devi Upanishad, or Devyatharvashirsham, is a compilation document. So it has some passages of Vedic Sanskrit, it has passages from the Chandi, it has commentary from the Chandi, it has verses from the, the oral tradition on how do you realize the, the Bij mantras of each of the, uh, of the major mantras of Sri Vidya. So it, it's, it's tantric. It weaves. And it's Mishra. Uh, because it's not completely Vedic, although it does contain Vedic verses. It's not completely Tantric, although it contains Tantric verses. It's not completely Puranic, although it contains Puranic verses. And it's not modern Sanskrit, although it contains modern Sanskrit verses. It is woven together as an anthology of knowledge which you get from sitting near the Guru. Upanishad, Upa Asana, sitting near. Asan, Upa. <laughs> sit close. That's why I wonder about the people who sit way back there. <laughs> Are you afraid to catch the spit? <laughs> you come close to the Guru and then it becomes an Upa Asan or Upanishad. And that's what Devi Atharvashirsham is. Weaving so many branches of knowledge from so many periods of history, from so many dictions of language, from so many dictionaries of language, from so many different uh, expositions. It's a true anthology woven into one document. And it's really excellent. It's really excellent. I, they did a good job. <laughs> yes, please, you know. Question. Yes, please. Do we actually want to use the muscles of our diaphragm to, to literally press out yep. the rest of the air? It depends what kind of recitation we are performing. We divided our ucharan, our pronunciation, into four different kinds. There's a bhakti pot, a shokti pot, pranayam, and jivanam. These four. Bhaktipat, I don't need to press out the air. I'm going to sing, a, I'm going to breathe at the quarter of a verse. Yaduyam paramadoke. Sarva raksha karaminam. Yarikasya chitatyatam. A bhakti pot. A shakti pot. I'm going to level it out. And yet, young Paraman, okay, inside of a rachat, rambrinami, and a kashya, kidakatam, dani bru, keep it Yadu yam paramalo ke sarva rakshakuraminam yanigat akashyapita katam dhani bru kipita maha. Asti guyat bambi prada sarva buta opakarakam hedebiastu kapachampunyam katrinushva mahamune. 
I'm breathing in a mantra and I'm exhaling a mantra and therefore I've got pranayama. Voktipat, shaktipat, pranayam, jivanam. Yajuyam paramam loki sarurakshakaram rinam or something like that, where every mantra evolves from Om and dissolves into Om, and you add life to the mantra, and you press it out from the abdomen. We have a question from Laura in Vermont. Namaste, Laura in Vermont! Namaste. Could you please explain more about verse 3? I am the united mind of the guardians of the treasure. Are these the gods? She also says that they, are, they established her in manifold existence. I am confused. Please oh, explain. Oh, please, Laura in Vermont, please give up your confusion. That's the first thing. The united mind of the guardians of the treasure. Who guards the treasure? Obviously, people who know it's valuable. If it's a treasure and you're guarding it, you know it's value and you want to protect it. That means she is the united mind, the unity within the mind of those who have recognized what is the true wealth. She is the united mind within each individual who recognizes the true wealth of wisdom, the true wealth of love, the true wealth of that bhavana. And whoever guards the treasure, they know what it's like to have the treasure. And they're guarding, guarding against its demise. They, they're guarding against the division of the mind. She is the united mind. And she unites the minds of all guardians. Everyone who's got a treasure and they are guarding their treasure, she unites them all in a satsang, in, a, in bhakti, in working together, in chanting together, in sharing together, in loving together, and in loving God together. So she unites individually and collectively the united mind of the guardians of the treasure. Now the gods recognize the treasure as the, the wealth of illumination. The rishis recognize the treasure as the wealth, the wealth of illumination, the wealth of prakash, the wealth of a feeling of devotion. So all of us, we can put it in different nomenclature. We know what that treasure is that we're seeking. And once we find it, we've got a united mind within ourselves. And then we unite our united mind with all the devotees who come into our sphere of influence. And we make a collective united mind. And then all the devotees around the universe, around the world, uh, they, we unite our minds with them as well. So she is the united mind of the guardians of the treasure individually and collectively. And the gods, uh, she is the, uh, uh, what was your other question? The second part of the question, please. Uh, she also says that they established her in the many-fold existence. Well, yeah, as the uh, all-pervading soul of the abundant being, they established her. Where, where do we see her? 
She's already there. We, we didn't really put her there, but we recognized her presence. Uh, it, 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 we didn't put her there, but we established her. We made Pranapatishta to her. We made her, her form enlivened. We gave it our devotion. We, uh, in this way, we actually woke up to her presence in the, uh, uh, in the manifold existence as the all-pervading soul of the abundant being. She is the all, what's the abundant being? All consciousness and all energy. Mm -hmm. And she is the all-pervading soul of the abundant being. She is the supreme soul, the Paramatma of all existence. Mm -hmm. We recognized her as such. And it established her, it means we recognized her, that she was already established. We have a question from Nanda in San Jose. Namaste, Nandama! Namaste. When we have chosen the path to be your disciple and reflect your capacity, should we use you as a yardstick for every activity? And most importantly, does this mean we give up trying to be worldly wise? Please help. Thank you. Oh, no! No, no, no. <laughs> First of all, you better, you'll be much better served if you follow Srima. <laughs> and second of all, if you follow me, you're going to be worldly wise. <laughs> Please believe you're not going to be free from worldliness because somebody's got to do it. The only reason Srima can do what she does is because some of us do what we do. We empower her to be the guardian of the treasure and the all-pervading soul of the abundant being. The gurus need disciples as much as disciples need gurus. So I doubt highly if you get to jump over me and you get to be, I've got the next place in line. It's a padam part. She, I push and she pulls. And then you come behind me and push me and I'll pull you. And I hope somebody's gonna come behind you and push. And you've got the duty to pull them. So it doesn't mean that you get to give up the world. It means you make your world divine. You appreciate the opportunity and you understand the privilege of getting up to worship and getting up to serve and being able to answer 400 emails a day and all the other stuff that you get to do because you love her. Ah, it's very true, Mom. Uh, we cannot give up the world no matter how hard you try. No, no, no. It ain't going to happen. The world will give us up when it's through with us. <laughs> She'll just chew you up and spit you out and say, nothing left. <laughs> ah, just bones and blah. Forget about it, man. You gave your last ounce of devotion. Okay, take a hike. <laughs> you're not going to give up the world. And you're not going to give up worldliness. So you better get good at it. 
Because you're going to be there for a long, long time. As long as you're there, there's going to be oral. I promise. And you might as well be worldly wise rather than worldly foolish. If those are the two choices. If you had a choice whether you wanted to be worldly wise or worldly stupid, I suggest highly, just from my experience, it would probably behoove you to become worldly wise. And when you become really good at it, you become an efficient at it, you become a sadhu. And then a sadhu is known as someone who is efficient. So as you become more and more efficient at taking away more and more of the distress from the world, then some other devotees are going to come and say, how can we help to empower you so that you can help us more? That's just the way it works. We're all in business for the self, with a capital S. <laughs> We're self-employed. And so being self-employed, if you do a good job for me, I want to empower you to be able to do more good jobs for me. That's just how it works. Uh, if you don't do a good job for me, I'm going to probably say you better go find yourself another job. But if you do a good job for me, I'm going to say, hey, how can I, what does it take for you to stay so I can get more Good job. <laughs> and that's just how it works. That's called worldly wise. <laughs> that's it in a nutshell. That's my uh, encapsulated version of how do you become worldly wise. <laughs> spiritual means giving more than we take. Become spiritual. And when we become spiritual and we're givers, then everybody wants to invite you. <laughs> Everybody wants you to come because you're a giver. Who doesn't want to get? Everybody wants to get. Well, pretty soon we realize that kripa means do and get. You don't just get to get. <laughs> Sorry, that's worldly stupid. <laughs> that's pretty foolish. Who wants to give and give and give and give and give? Well, at some time, you're going to say, hey, I'm running out. <laughs> but if you give and get, everybody says that's grace. Well, you might want to follow me in becoming worldly wise, possibly. But you definitely want to follow Sriman in becoming godly. We have a question from Moshimi in Boulder. Namaste Moshimi Ma! Namaste Siddharth! Pranam. Verse 5 says, Whosoever I love, I give him strength and make him a knower of divinity. Can we attain her love through anamanio or uninterrupted bhakti? Thanks. Moshimi, I don't know any other way to get her love. I think you hit it right on the head. If we give shud pavitra chirastavya kulata ananya bhakti, if we continually give that devotion and just demonstrate the sincerity of that devotion with puja, pot, homa, jap, tap, and seva, 
One time she's going to say, you're doing a lot. You deserve to get. That's the grace. That's the kripa. I believe that's exactly the process, Moshami. I'm, I'm with you. I'm coming to, to, to Boulder to become a disciple. Yes, please. We have a question from Ambika. Namaste, Ambika! Namaste. Chanting is loud. There are also bells, conch shells, etc. How do we get quiet in the midst of all that sound? We'll try and get louder. <laughs> you can't get louder than her. She slapped the earth and she rang the bell and she made a great cry like, a, uh, like numerous jackals. And she made so much noise that the Asuras couldn't stand it any longer and they just covered their ears and surrendered. And in the same way, we'll call her loudly when she's far away. And the closer she gets, the softer we get until she's inside and she can hear everything we're thinking. That's called Manas Puja. We have a question from Nanda. Namaste, Nandama. Can you define uh, what you mean by worldly wise? I thought it meant trying to get ahead even at the expense of others. No, 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 no. It means using wisdom in the world. <laughs> worldly wise does not mean pulling someone down so I can take their place. It means using wisdom in the world, using your knowledge and your understanding and your inspiration and to empower others and they will say, thank you, how can we reciprocate and make it mutual? They will definitely say that at one time or another. So worldly wise means using wisdom in the world. It doesn't mean <laughs> using my own cleverness to enhance my selfishness from my own greed <laughs> but at your expense. That wouldn't be considered wisdom. I'm looking for win-win situations, win-win resolutions, win-win negotiations. Yes, please. We have a related question from Ambika. Namaste, Ambika. So we give to those we meet on the path of worldly life and get replenished through our devotion to God, to serving and emulating Sri Ma. Is this a way to understand giving without expecting anything in return? Yes. <laughs> That's a fine way. And it's a fine example. And she does it day and night. And I mean, she gets up every day and she starts cooking for people she doesn't know who's coming today and she's got food for them. And she's, she's doing that all the time. Did any one of you ever leave the Devi Mandir empty-handed? Or without any food in your stomach? That's the greatest sin in the Devi Mandir, is not to feed a guest. If you emulate the example of our Guru, then you will also be looking for ways to add value to people's lives with any talent or skill or resource that you have at your disposal. If it's yours to command, you'll find a way to use it wisely, worldly wisely, in such a way as you can empower other people to be more whole, more full, more complete, more perfect because of having had your association. That's just what mom does.
That's this way. Hey, every trinket, every piece of cloth, every handkerchief, every t-shirt that goes out of here cements a relationship. Everybody feels empowered by it. They get a prayer shawl, they get a, a bala, they get a bead, they get a they get a, 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 a piece of fruit that was blessed by the divine. They get ashes. They get, it doesn't matter what she gives. She just gives so lovingly and generously. You feel that you are receiving not a thing. You're receiving mother's love. Every time you go from the Davy Monday, you take something with you that says this is the communicator of the sincerity of her love. Even she gives you a flower. Patram pushpam toyam palam yumme bhaktiya pratyachati. Whoever gives me a leaf, a flower, a, 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 a drop of water, uh, or a piece of fruit, I receive that devotion in the spirit with, with which it, it was offered. And that's just what mama does. And that's just what her disciples will do whenever we go anywhere, we'll take something to share. And whenever we, and someone comes to us, we'll find something we can give them. Yes, please. We have a question from Joseph in Illinois. Namaste, Joseph. Pranam. Is chanting Siddha Kunjika Stotram by itself an effective sadhana? It's part of a, a sadhana. Uh, it's better than doing nothing. It's very nice. It's a wonderful stotram. But there's so much more to do in preparation to understand what is the Siddha Kunjika Stotram telling us. Uh, it, it's part of a sadhana and it's a cornerstone of sadhana and it's a great place to, to, to be. Why don't you do the kavach, the orgul, the kilak, the navaranavidi, and the siddha kuntika stotra? And then you can expand that and make and put in chapter 5 uh, and chapter 11. Namastasye, 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 namamaha, narayani, namastute. Joseph, let's not look for shortcuts. No, let's, not, let's not look for abbreviations of our sadhana. Let's look, how can I expand and do more and more and more and more? I don't want to take the PhD program before I've completed my BA degree. I, I just wouldn't understand what it's talking about. So let me please just start and do it by the numbers. And I'll, you'll get there, I promise, you'll get there. Oh, yes, Ramyam. Swamiji, the journey of the Chandi. Yes. So we, we in the first chapter, they talk about mother as, one is Mahamaya Prabhavena, Samsarastikana, that she is the delusion. Yes. And then, is that the Ratri Suttam? Is that what we Well, are she is, she, that Mahamaya Prabhavena, she is not only the delusion, but she is the great measurement of the reality. She's all three. She is Kadividya. She is the, the Maya of Vedanta, the Maya of Shankya, and the Maya of Tantra. She is all three. She is the Maya of the one in harmony with her own self, the one mother in union with all of her creation and the creation praising the mother.
And she is the Maya of delusion where I forget all about mom and think about what's in it for me, worldly wise. Yes, please. So, Swami, you said the delusion is caused by all the asuras. Yes. So, the journey is we, she eradicates those asuras. Yes. And then we become one with her, her in, the, in the Vedokta. <laughs> right, right. That's absolutely true. We saw her first as the darkness of duality, of ignorance. I thought about me and myself. Worldly wise meant I'm going to pull everyone down and I'm going to get ahead. And then I said, well, wait, here comes the dawn and the light is coming and the wisdom is coming. Let me see what is the reality. Usha, uh, please come to me. Usha, please come. Usha. Illuminate, may the day break and bring the sun and bring the light of wisdom and let it dispel the darkness. And I see that the darkness is caused by too much and too little. And then I, I put too much and too little into balance and I see that uh, all the repus, all the limitations, anger, passion, greed, uh, 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 the ignorant attachments and jealousy are the cause of all of my egotism. Uh, and all, all these other asuras are constantly perplexing me with irresistible temptation and foul mind, mouth and blindness and all the rest. And I say, Mom, would you please take your energy away from the asuras and give it to the gods? And she said, okay. And then I, she takes away the great ego. She puts self-conceit and self-deprecation to rest. And then, there's nothing left to do but praise the goddess. Ultimately, I praise the goddess and I realize I am the goddess I am praising. I am the goddess I am praising. Who can praise the goddess and just another goddess? So I become the goddess. And through me alone, all eat, all see, all breathe, all hear. They know me not, but yet they dwell beside me. Hear from me the truth of faith as I speak to you. So that's how she moves. She makes us to this transformation from recognizing this darkness of ignorant attachments. I'm thinking about world being worldly wise. I'm gonna. I'm in it for me. Until I become only I want to pray to you, and then I realize I'm the one that I'm praying to. Ramarpanam, Ramahavi. Only God, Brahma Eva, only God, only the Supreme Divinity is the, exists and He, through that sadhana of the Supreme Divinity, we recognize our unity with the Supreme Divinity. Yes, please. We have a question from Laura in Vermont. Namaste, Laura. In the part of the Chandi with Madhu and Kaitaba, why was Brahma awake and Vishnu asleep in Yoga Nidra? Because Brahma is the creative capacity, and creative capacity has a hard time sleeping. 
He gets up in the night and he says, I'm going to do something to expand and extend and demonstrate how creative my energy is. I want to create something as a manifestation of the sincerity of my love. I have this compelling necessity to depict in some external form my love. Now, Vishnu is the supreme consciousness reclining on the couch of infinity. <laughs> and he has no such compulsion whatsoever. <laughs> you call upon him to protect and he'll just sleep. sleep. <laughs> it's sleepy time. <laughs> so, he, Brahma creates, Vishnu protects when it's necessary. <laughs> Shiva transforms. And that's why Brahma is awake and Vishnu is asleep. Vishnu came under the spell of Yoganidra, the sleep of divine mystical union, Yoganidra. That means that he's not aware of what's going on outside. He's completely in union inside. He's completely self-contained. All the energy has withdrawn itself into the one manifestation of Supreme Divinity and that became manifest as Vish, the universe, knew who pervades the universe. Om Sam Sarasvati Namaha